I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and this is a brand new show. It's our interactive show. Now, you might be asking, what the hell is an interactive show and why are we doing it? Well, basically, I wanted to bring back the phone-in shows. Um, I know a lot of you really, really enjoy them. I know a lot of people often say to me in the comments that, you know, they want to put their message across and, and put their piece across, but they don't always feel confident to jump on in front of a microphone, on camera, etc., etc. And so I figured instead of doing a call-in show, we'll do a interactive show in which the agenda is dictated by you guys, the listeners. So you guys will dictate the direction of the conversation throughout this broadcast and we'll invite people onto the show as well. Now, first few minutes, I'm going to spend them just running through some of the latest Arsenal news, some of the stuff doing the rounds today. And then uh, we're going to begin bringing some of you guys on to have your say and share your views uh, with me live on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Uh, we are live on the YouTube channel right now. This will be available to watch back later on. And of course, it will be available on all your favorite podcast stores too, like every other episode. Um, but yeah, before we dive into it, big hello, big good evening uh, to those of you that are with us. And it's good to see so many of you in the live chat already. If I could just ask you to leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you're new, all the rest of it. And if you want to jump on, if you want to have your say, if you want to have a few minutes uh, on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, then go over to the YouTube comments because right at the top of the comments pinned is a link for you to click into. That will take you backstage on the software that I'm using. And then I'll bring you guys in one by one and we'll let your you guys have your say on all things Arsenal and anything else. And there's so much to talk about today. There's so much we could potentially discuss. According to reports today, Declan Rice has indicated to the other interested clubs that he only wants Arsenal, hence no other bids. Claims um, that there have been further talks between Arsenal and Chelsea over the potential move of Kai Havertz from West London to North. Following Balogun, of course, opened his account for the U.S. men's national team during their win over Canada last night, sparking the debate around whether the club should be planning to keep him. But does that mean an exit for Eddie and Ketia? Fabio Vieira has pulled out of the Portuguese under-21 squad headed for the European Championships. And despite some concerns with regards to the wording used for that announcement yesterday, it seems as though he's OK and he's due to return to training with Arsenal in around about a couple of weeks. Could Thomas Partey be the latest high-profile player headed for Saudi Arabia? Is Romeo Lavia ready to boss Arsenal's midfield? And don't forget, as I say, this is an interactive show and I want you guys to get involved. I want you guys to jump on and, of course, share your comments in the live chat. Right, um, let's get our first caller on because we've got a caller waiting already. Brilliant to see him. It's been a little while uh, since I've spoken uh, to my good friend, Mr. Mohammed Iraqi, who joins us. Uh, Mohammed, just for the benefit of the listeners, remind them where you are calling in from. Good to see you, my friend. Hi, good evening, Harry. From Palestine, nice to see you again after a long time, Harry, <laughs> really. Yeah, nice to it see has you been again. a while. It has been a while, hasn't it, my friend? Um, I've just run through a load of topics, things that we could potentially discuss. But as I say... This show is going to be dictated by you guys, the listeners, the viewers. So what is it that you want to talk about? Which story has really gripped you so far uh, at the start of this transfer window? Yes, Harry. For me, it's about uh, transfer window, how to get to the next level. Because last season was fantastic. We enjoyed it, most of it, uh, except the last few weeks. We were on top of the league. So... We are on right track. Our project is moving fast. But uh, I describe this transfer window as a war. It's a war between big guns, not, not only as before uh, Big Four, Big Six, Big Eight. Now Newcastle, you can count them as a big gun. 
as uh, famous and historical clubs. So I think Arsenal, I said it before, two months ago, must be ruthless, clinical, in this crucial, crucial transfer window to get our targets uh, and to go to the next level. For me, I, if you count what we need, I think we need five players. Number six. Five. Okay. Yes, number six. Number yeah. eight. Uh, Centre-back, right-back, and another attacking player. So, at least five top players. And for me, one clear topic, one big topic, Harry, is, is that. And Edo is uh, connected to that we can't miss out on our prime targets every summer transfer window. And it happened before many times. So, it wasn't... We wasn't affected by this because the plan B, the so-called plan B deals worked. Zini, Trossard and others. But it's not guaranteed in the future that every time you miss on your prime target and the plan B will work. It's not a guarantee in the future. So for me, concerning, for, for example, Declan Rice deal, which is the big one, which we can't afford to miss on Declan Rice. Why? Because he is on top of our agenda from six months ago or eight months ago, we are working on this uh, deal behind the scenes. We put the uh, work ground, so we paved the way for us to clinch the deal. And now in the money time, we are slow. Our strategy in the transfer window concerning big deals worries me. Or is Mihari and you can uh, return a few months ago to see how Modric deal failed and some deals before it. So we are putting groundwork. We, are, we worked on this deal behind the scenes many months now. And now we are reluctant to be clinical and ruthless and to clinch the deal for us. Allowing maybe other rivals to jump in the deal as Chelsea jumped in the Modric and clinched it in one day. So for me, okay, I, I read the news that, that you read that Rice preferred Arsenal and, and also. For me, I'm not relaxed at all till Rice signs for Arsenal. So we can't afford this big one, our prime target, to miss out. Must be more faster, more clinical on it because... I think it's a milestone in this transfer window for us, this rice deal, and to continue after it, putting the pieces, the missing pieces in our lineup. So this is my topics, Harry. What what would you what is your opinion on the whole Kai Havertz thing, Mohammed? Because I know based on what you've said there, I, I kind of am guessing and assuming that you're quite happy with the idea of Declan Rice coming in. But what's your view on Kai Havertz? Because that is a potential transfer that has divided opinion among yes. Arsenal fans. And, and yes. one of the things I've been thinking about today, is it because people are against Kai Havertz or don't think he's good enough? Or is it actually because of the Chelsea connection, which has not served us very well in the past, generally speaking? No, Harry. Uh, many people are against uh, Havertz because, because he didn't shine at Chelsea in the last two seasons. So, for me, it's a tricky one, the, the Havertz deal. First of all, it came as a surprise for all of us or most of us, uh, the Havertz deal. If, if, if Havertz uh, deal uh, materialized and Arteta managed to, to play him and to use him, and we will see another version of Havertz in Leverkusen, okay, then it will work. Uh, so for me, I will call the Havertz deal, if it materialized, it's a gamble. Why? Because Arsenal will pay big money, Harry, for him. I said to myself in the last few days, for me, 40 million for Havertz, okay, will be good. But now Arsenal will pay 60 million pound plus. So it's a big money for, okay, talented player, but he didn't perform at a high level Chelsea in the last two seasons. So I think Arteta, because Havertz is versatile and played and can play in 
various uh, attacking position. I think this is appealing for Arteta. He can play him at number eight and number ten, and and even a striker and money position. So it's a tricky one. Uh, if it materialized, we will wait and see how Arteta will use Havertz and will Havertz shine with Arsenal like he did in Leverkusen and like he didn't in Chelsea. We know he suffered with Chelsea a lot. So mm -hmm. for me, I was thinking about Madison. For, okay. for two seasons now, um, I think Madison will fit better than Havertz in our lineup in this uh, number eight role, uh, checker role. Madison for me is a top, top player and we can get him easily. Now he will go to either Spurs or Newcastle. Surely he will make either of them better. Madison as a high technical player, gifted. So I think it's a surprise move for Havertz. If you ask any Arsenal player, uh, any Arsenal fans, pardon, uh, are you excited about Havertz uh, going to Arsenal? He will say no. No one, uh, no one, even you <laughs> will say yes. I'm very excited <laughs> to see Havertz. But if you ask about Madison, I think many, many of them will say yes. Yeah. Madison exactly. will make our, our uh, team better technically. And of course, uh, offensively, Harry. Brilliant. Mohammed, thank you so much, mate. Uh, I'm going to let you go just because I have to get some more people on. But thank you, as always, for tuning in. Thank you uh, for your support of the podcast thank as well. You, I Harry. see you in the chat box. I hope to see you. Show. I hope to see you soon and uh, at least one a month do this funny show because you are a special friend and great journalist. Keep the great work, Harry. Thank you so much, Mohammed. All the best, mate. Have a great evening. Take thank care. you. That was the brilliant Mohammed joining us from Palestine. Uh, don't forget, if you want to jump in, if you want to join us on the show, the link is pinned in the comment section uh, of this video. So do jump along, uh, come and join us. We'll get through as many of your calls as you can. Remember uh, to keep your thoughts coming in via the live chat as well. There'll be polls going up in there as well throughout this interactive edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Don't forget to leave a like and all of that stuff. Uh, you know how much it helps. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't ask. Uh, we've got Bill in the uh, waiting room, but it doesn't look like his device is connected. So I'm going to add uh, Jeet in. Uh, Jeet, are you there? How's it going, mate? It's going good, like Harry. Brilliant. Where you? are you joining us from, my friend? Actually, I'm joining you from India. Amazing. Which part? I'm right now in Delhi. Brilliant. New Brilliant. Delhi. What, what, what do you want to say, my friend? Go for it. The floor is yours. Actually, I have very contrasting or different opinion of like, about the signings that we are going to make. So okay. first is like we can talk about how it's. So I actually see how Arteta wants to like play with him in our in our system. So if you see he, like how he was using Vieira in some circumstances when he was substituting him like in place of Zaka. So we, you can always see he he always wanted to play like with a one defensive midfielder and two attacking midfielders. And if you see like that, so how is it? How it's is very very good. Like much much better than Vieira. And if you also see some like links that we had with Gabby Vega, that yeah. was also for the same position. So if you see how in future Arata wants to play, he wants to play with front three, two attacking midfielders, then a DM, and then four at the back, just like the city play. So if my, you see by that, yeah, yeah, go on. My my thing with this right is that I don't actually see Kai Havertz coming in to play as part of a midfield. I think, as you mentioned, there were certain game states during last season where we did want to throw that extra attacker on. We sacrificed Granit Xhaka. And at the back end of the season, we even saw Leandro Trossard at times dropping into that position, didn't we? Yeah. That kind of left-hand side of the midfield with that additional license to get forward. Yes. I just, for me, that's not what Kai Havertz is. And... You know, I feel like I ran through a load of topics at the start of this program and I knew that the Kai Havertz one would be the one that divided the most opinion because it is, um, you know, a contentious subject. Is he a good fit for Arsenal? People are unsure. But to me, as much as I read that Kai Havertz is coming into play as part of that midfield, I just don't see it. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm right and I'm not saying that everybody should listen to what I'm saying on this and, and you know, that I know any better. But just my gut is 
that he won't be that. My gut is that he's coming in to be a part of the front three and to be rotated uh, along with the likes of Gabby Jesus, who could also play wide. Remember, people were sort of saying, well, we need a right winger to come in for Saka when he's sort of running on empty. Jesus could be that man. He's done it many times in the past. But although there was a report earlier today from ESPN that said Arsenal have indicated that in addition to operating as a 10, um, they see Havertz as an eight or as somebody that could play in any of the attacking positions. I just don't I see that. So what, what I want to like, how, how, like I'm playing football for the last 20, like 23 years, actually. From the age of seven, I'm playing football and I coach football also in India. So mm-hmm. football is actually played in phases. So you have like players specifically for some phases itself. So you can use Harvard's for phases where you actually like where, where there is a low block in front of you and you want to break that low block. Or for yeah. example, Saka is injured or Saka is for not like playing to its fullest. So you can shift Gabriel Jesus to the right wing and then you can put Harvard's there in the center. So when you see Harvard's playing in Chelsea, how do they basically operate? So they basically create from the wing backs. What wing backs basically do? They either do cutbacks or they will either give the crosses. In those two things, Havertz is actually not good at it. Like Havertz was always a 10 or 8 in, in Leverkusen. He was never a striker there. From last two years, he's actually adapting to the system and trying to become a striker. So if you are judging a person who is trying to become a striker just to play in the team, like when the coach is asking him to play as a striker, it is I don't believe that is the right parameter to judge as a player. If you see Havertz in Leverkusen, like when he was playing as a 10 or an 8, he was actually phenomenal. He was actually the best player in the league itself. Like I see, I I am following him last four from four years. I, it's not like if you judge him only for like by the by the looks of Chelsea, like it's actually like wrong because see how many coaches they have changed, how many different systems they are playing in, and how many different positions he has tried to play it in. So we have to give him the that benefit of doubt. And if anyone right now says that he doesn't have the potential to be the like one of the best players in the world in next five years, I I I, I basically disagree with that because I personally believe that he can actually become one of the best players. If, if he's used in a correct way. For example, if you see in a different way, if the, the old City team, Odegaard is very much similar to Silva, not with De Bruyne. And Havertz is actually very similar to De Bruyne. If you see, he can play false nine, he can play on the wing. Even De Bruyne, when he was young, he was playing on the wings. He was not playing as a camp when he was in the German league. And Havertz can play in all the front three positions and in, in, the, in the attacking midfielders also. So he has that versatility also and he has that physique also. And like, yeah. he's very aggressive. I don't know why people are saying about his aggression. Like, just see him, how he runs. He, he's like Martinelli when Martinelli came to us in the, in the younger age. He just runs fast and he just attacks the ball. He, he, he does, just doesn't have that focus. And a guy like Arteta, if he can mould Martinelli and he can teach him how to use his energy, he can actually teach Havertz also how to teach, use his energy. Yeah. And, and there, are, there were reports like Havertz have talked with Jorginho and Arteta both. And he was very happy after that. Arteta is not a fool. And Jorginho is also not a fool. Like, if you see Jorginho, the IQ that he has to play football, I don't think any, like, except Odegaard, I don't think any player in Arsenal have that IQ. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. I'm going to ask you this question that I asked Mohamed as well, because I I do think this is an important factor in this Kai Havertz debate. How much of people being uncertain about him do you think is because of the fact that it's another signing from Chelsea? It's just Twitter, Harry. Honestly, it's just Twitter. Oh, people are just crying on Twitter. If honestly, if you go to a stadium and ask the guy, do you want Havertz? They will actually say yes. Everyone knows how good he is. And if you want to, like, to one last year, if you want, if you, if any, if you have asked anyone which guy you actually want from Chelsea, they would have said Havertz, Reese James, yeah. or, or like Mason Mount. Only three players were there. The rest mm-hmm. all were like shit. We had better players than them. And like all these three plus are, are actually, actually like we can actually take and use them in, in, in our system. So it like about how it's, it's like more out the perception and people are just like, it's PTSD. Like we have bought Jorginho, we have bought this guy, that guy, they have flopped. It depends on the player and it depends on the age profile and it depends on the system. It, there are many things that are, that depends on. Actually, yeah. it's football is very, very subjective. People think course, it's objective. Yeah. Keys, that 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 guy doesn't didn't work like under Tuchel. He didn't work under Potter. How would he work under Arteta? Odegaard never worked under anyone except in the Real Sociedad, only for yeah. one year. He was struggling everywhere. An- Ancelotti didn't even want him after having a decent season in Arsenal. Still, yeah. Arsenal took a bet, and Arteta got the best out of him. And if you see Saka also, if you see Martinelli, see every player's journey. 
they have all improved gradually gradually every single on every year they have improved and yeah. after one year i i can actually like bet on this honestly after a year havits will be one of our best players if he plays in the attacking eight because well, he, fingers, I, I believe he plays in the attacking eight. fingers crossed because i think we are going to end up with him so uh, we have to be, and we have to be optimistic and we have to trust arteta like how like when we signed signed ramzil when we signed ben white i believe yeah. ben white is the guy for arsenal like he he has he has this like that attitude you can say or that like thuggish attitude like he he yeah. doesn't back down from anyone similar to similarly ramsdale they don't back down mm-hmm. from anyone and same is havertz he doesn't back down from anyone he doesn't back down from any challenge he's always up for the challenge if yeah, people even havertz, even yeah. when his confidence is is seemingly low he, he does always want to get involved in the game i'll certainly give him that um g thank you so much mate i've got to let you go thank just because i've got others waiting but thank you uh, for tuning in mate really really appreciate it is it late in india now what time would it be there it's 12 15 in the night wow brilliant <laughs> nice one mate thank you so much and i'll catch you, you soon take care pal yeah. bye bye that was g joining us from delhi in india remember if you want to jump on the link is pinned in the description been a little while since we've done one of these. Uh, my next guest is the one and only Mr. Sooty. How's it going, man? Good to see you. How's it going, H? You good? You all right? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks. How are you? How's things going? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Thought, well, I've got to come on the show. I've got to put the uh, put the top on as well to uh, show the love. But um, yeah, life is good. Living the living the dream. Another day in paradise, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff. What, um, what have you made of this uh, transfer window it's business? So I mean, we ain't done any business yet, but you well, know what yeah. I mean? Lack chat. of, but um, <laughs> so obviously, I, I know the previous uh, callers were talking about habits, so I'll touch on that quickly, but then I want to talk about some other stuff. So, I think with with Arsenal, I think this is the make or break transfer window. I think Arteta's had some fantastic signings, uh, questionable signings at the start, so people will have obviously questioned the Ben White and the fee that we paid for him, and the same with Ramsdale. People lost their heads when we signed Ramsdale. Oh my God, we're signing a relegation like expert, blah, blah, blah. So in Arteta, I still trust in the sense of I trust his method. I trust where he's going with the squad. Um, and this is where my point about habits comes in. I can't see where he fits in. The obvious place is like everyone else has said, you know, to replace Xhaka and be in that kind of attacking midfield, maybe to play centre forwards, you know, and either move Jesus or if he's injured, you know, have that slightly taller attacker, maybe put some crosses in. He's okay at heading the ball. So maybe it's it's plan B. I think one thing we saw last season is that Arsenal didn't really have a plan B. It was very much, we're going to, we had better substitutes to come on. So our squad was better, but Arteta almost showed his lack of experience of having to change it up. So if it wasn't working with Zinchenko, he'd bring Tierney on but Tierney would do exactly the same job as Zinchenko. So you didn't see the Tierney of old making runs down the wing, causing problems, which would be, you know, changing it up. Um, He would take Martinelli off and bring on Trossard. Same sort of player, just basically hoping to get a bit more energy out of the same player. So there was no plan B. Is Kai Havertz a plan B signing? Is he somebody that allows Arteta to maybe go long and direct because he's tall, like, and maybe hold it up? Is he somebody that can allow Jesus to drift out wide and, you know, play through the middle. I don't know. I, I'm going to reserve judgment on the whole uh, Havertz sign-in. If we do sign him, I'll be honest, I've read reports today, like £68 million, pounds, like £60 million plus £8 million add-ons. I think it's far too much, especially considering that um, Kovacic, uh, I think they're in, a, in you know, plans to like sign him at Man City for like €25 million. Euros. It's almost like Arsenal seem to be interested in a player and the price doubles. You know, Liverpool have gone and bought McAllister at 45 million. We want to buy Declan Rice, it's doubled the price. It's 100 million. Or Kaiseido, 100 million. It's almost like they see the Arsenal on this, you know, on the purchasers um, list and the price just doubles, um, which really frustrates me. So I'm not sure. But in terms of habits, that's kind of, I'd leave it to, to see what happens. If we sign him, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because Arteta's done well with his subs so far yeah. but I wanted to just move on to something different in terms of like players that excite me that I'm I don't understand why we're not interested or there doesn't seem to be much talk about so obviously we've spoken about Rice and Casados and Havertz and stuff but we've got there's, there's so many other players in 
Premier League team. So, like, I, t- I pick on the Crystal Palace players, Eze and Elise. Now, I don't know what their value is. I don't know what, you know, the market says they're worth or obviously whether Crystal Palace would sell them. But you've got two players there that straight away excite me more than Kai Havertz. Um, now, Eze, I would say, is more of the Kai Havertz ilk in terms of he can play either on the wing or in that sort of left forward jacker role and support Jesus. Elise obviously is more right wing to give Saka an option or rotation on that on, on, on that side. Both of those players, what, 50, maybe 60 million pounds each from Crystal Palace? You know, the price of Rice, you could buy two players to like fully load our midfield and wing. Yes, you then need another player to come in for like the right position. But I'm just... I'm wondering why we're not looking at other options that potentially could be cheaper and have also yeah. proved it in the Premier League. I think it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think as fans, we we look at certain players that that tickle our fancy and we go, yep, you know, that, that will do. That's the one to go for. Very often we hear of a link as well and we get sucked into this link. So you would think yeah. that in the world there are no more than two midfielders and the only two midfielders <laughs> on this planet right now are Rice and Caicedo. That's what you'd think if you read through social media over the last few weeks. And often the club will spring a surprise on us. I mean, I didn't have a clue that we were in for Fabio Vieira and boom, it was done. Um, you Tommy know, Tommy Asu, you know, he looked like he was going to Tottenham. According to Sky Sports, he definitely <laughs> wasn't going to Arsenal. So, you know, yeah. I am, I think, I get what you're saying. You look at those players and you think they've got incredible potential and and why aren't Arsenal looking at them? I just think that sometimes we have to sit back and just trust them a little bit. And in the past, I I couldn't do that because particularly when Unai Emery was in charge, and I know he wasn't the one making a lot of those decisions, but you looked at some of that business that summer and I thought, what the hell is going on here? You know, we bought in a a Greek centre-half who has never played at any sort of serious level, you know, a bit of time in the Bundesliga, but he wasn't even a regular starter over there. We brought in Stefan Licksteiner, so many players that just clearly weren't the right fit. Over the last couple of years, I've I've learned to trust them and I've got more faith in what they're doing and that they're going to make the right moves. And I guess this window has been different for me because I normally set out with my kind of wish list and we did an episode on it the other day, but it wasn't as strong as my wish lists have been in the past because I am getting to that point where I'm kind of just trusting and um and sort of letting them get on with it. But I mean there's a lot of talk about the midfield. Rice potentially coming in, maybe if we can get that deal done, hopefully talk of Lavia. What do you make of the talk that both Xhaka and Partey could be on their way this summer? Because that concerns me. Yeah, see I I watched the episode yesterday about, you know, the concern about Partey going as well and I kind of agree with you in the sense that it worked last season and like everything I know every every season you want to tweak it and make it a little bit better and obviously we fell off towards the last the end of the season and obviously Partey you know was a big disappointment in those last few games um, so I can understand that but the risk is you're going to change two of the three midfielders and yes, Declan Rice got loads of experience, 280-100 games um, for West Ham in the Premier League. Lavia, not so many. Yes, he played well in certain games, played really well against Arsenal, like everyone seems to do. They played a game of their life when they play against Arsenal. Um, but it is going to be a completely different midfield. So again, it's that kind of, do we just hold off selling Partey? If we're definitely going to sell Jackart, do we hold off? Keep Partey, even if Partey's a bit part player next season and Lavia and Rice are the chosen two, have him there as a bit of stability because you know what you get with him. And even if you get less money for him next year, I'm sure the Saudi Arabians will still offer a lot of money next year. <laughs> They'll still be around next yeah. season. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit concerned if we go oh, and just basically replace, because the whole point is we're trying to build our squad, right? So if we just literally get rid of five players and bring five players in, Yes, the quality might be better, you'd hope, but then we still don't then have anything extra in the squad in terms of overall numbers. And again, with Champions League, you're not going to be able to rotate as much as you were able to in the Europa. Let's be honest, the standard of Champions League, even in the group stages, 
is a lot higher than yeah, in the sure. Europa. So that's the thing. Um, the last point I'll, I'll make as well, conscious you've probably got loads of people waiting, is Go for it, mate. Go for just it. going back to the Havertz thing and people obviously referring quite rightly to so to how good he was in the Bundesliga and everything else. I just food for thought is look how great Pepe was in league. And so I don't think we can rely on how good someone was in a different league. It's been said and proven year after year that the Premier League is a different beast. The competition, the fitness levels, the physicality, everything else is different to all those other leagues. And let's be honest, the Bundesliga and Ligue 1 are nowhere near as competitive. And both of those leagues have one or two leagues. I mean, Bayern Munich have won the league 10 years in a row. It's not very competitive. So it's easy for players like Akai Havertz, who are good, who has got good ability, it's easier for them to shine in a league like that. So again, that's a little bit of a concern I've got is that people look at his performance in the Bundesliga yeah. and think, oh, he can pull that off in the Premier League when he's already shown he can't in three seasons. So, And, and that was a while hope. ago as well. What he did in the Bundesliga yeah. was a while ago. So I agree with you. I don't, even though I'm pro this signing, I think it would be a good signing. I, I don't understand why people keep referring back to the Bundesliga days yeah. because it, A, it's a different league and B, it was a long time ago. I understand yeah. the reluctance from some people to, to say, look, I'm behind this. And and I also agree with the point you made earlier about the price, because when I first heard about this, in my head, the first thing that kind of went off was, okay, well, if we can nab him for 40, 50 million pounds, then yeah. that makes quite a lot of sense. But the more this goes on and we're hearing 60 and 65 and 70, for what it's worth, I think Arsenal will get it done at around about 60. I think that Chelsea are going to have their stance softened by the fact that they're able to flush all the players uh, that they want to get rid of down this toilet, which seems to swashle through yeah. and go all the way through <laughs> and come out in Saudi Arabia, apparently. Um, and they're going to get yeah. big money for all of them. So, yeah, I, I think well, that will soften their stance. Yeah, I mean, I've heard 60 plus 8 million add-ons and depending on what those add-ons are, but yeah, you're talking yeah. about 6 to 8 million. When they bought him for 71 three years ago, he's not performed well and we don't seem to be able to sell any of our players anywhere near the value we... Um, so maybe Edu can learn from <laughs> from Chelsea in that sense, but yeah. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Thank you so much yeah. for coming on, man. Cool. Really appreciate Cheers it. Cheers for having me on. And we'll see you soon. Keep up the great work, man. Cheers, H. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. That was Sooty joining us there. Uh, let's bring in uh, our next caller. But just before we do that, don't forget to leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel. If you're brand spanking new, get involved in the comments. We'll be focusing a lot more on your uh, questions and comments from the live chat in a little bit. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. If you do want to join, the link is in the comments. It's pinned to the top of the comments section. So just click on that. Make sure you're somewhere quiet. Make sure you've got a decent internet connection and hop along and have a chat with us. Uh, the floor is you guys. So uh, you dictate the agenda. Let's bring in uh, Stan, the man. Here he is. Caught you off guard there. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I was just having going to sip out of my uh, trust the process. Yeah, mark. Look at that. Look at that. Brilliant stuff. How you doing, mate? Good to see you. Yeah, I'm doing really well, Harry. And uh, thanks for having a, an open line today to let us come on and have a chat with you. Um, miserable weather in Vancouver this morning, but hopefully that will pick up later. But what I really wanted to talk to you about was um, was Kai Havertz, to be fair. And when I heard Very that friendly. we were linked with Kai Havertz, I was quite surprised. And he's a player that sort of divided me when i first heard that we were bringing him in because initially i thought well maybe if we're going to put him into that um into that jacker role that might work but i've since gone out and listened to a lot of people talking of that support chelsea that know the player more than me and listen to what they've had to say hmm. and in fact he had a gentleman on your show earlier on this week which yeah. i found quite enlightening and he seems to be singing off of the same hymn sheet as everybody else seems to be when it comes to Kai Havertz. And from what I'm gathering, he people are, I've not found anyone, first of all, that's, that has said or of the opinion that Havertz going to Arsenal is going to make us stronger. Yeah. I've not heard anyone from their side of that side of the fence with anything, you know, along those lines. And if anything, when I'm listening to, when I'm listening to them talk about what Kai Havertz uh, brings to a football team, it frightens me a little bit because I'm listening to it and I'm hearing Meza Ozil 2.0. <laughs> and I'm not hearing the good Meza Ozil 2.0. I'm hearing the bad parts of Meza Ozil's game. And I'm hearing things like, you know, he goes missing in games very, very easily. 
you know um he's a sort of player that or the other one is a sort of player that you can literally tell within the first five to ten minutes of a game. a game you know what kind of game you're going to get out of this guy and for the amount of money that we're going to be uh putting aside for this guy i find it surprising that this is the player that we're going for with what we need you know um so so let me ask you this let me ask you this do you think this is a signing that Mikel Arteta and Edu identified a little while ago. We always hear about how they're planning things in advance. Do you think this was a signing that they had very much on their radar? Or do you think this is one where they've spotted an opportunity because of Chelsea's situation? And so it's an opportunistic thing where like it's, well, actually we could nab him. So let's go and do it rather than it being a part of the grand plan. What's your kind of gut feel on that? I think it's the latter. I think that this is an opportunity that has just cropped up and for whatever reason the people behind the scenes at Arsenal think that this is a good deal to go for um again a lot of people have been saying that well you know why are we going why are we going to go for for Havertz and give Chelsea the money and help them to go and get Caicedo when we you know if we are going to be losing Thomas Partey then bringing in Rice and both Caicedo would make sense because there would definitely be space for them and I'm a little I'm a little bit of that opinion as well that it seems to be that we're we're using a bit of a scattergun approach. We don't seem to have our targets in in a line of importance. Oh, Havertz, yeah, we'll go and get that. And we're going to put um, 60, 70 million into their pockets, which will allow them to go and get Carcedo. And especially with the way that we were treated by Chelsea in the previous window, they were continually gazumping us. My only hope is that Todd Bowley will be alerted to this Kai Havertz deal and he'll come in and gazump himself and buy Havertz for Chelsea <laughs> <laughs> just because Arsenal want him. Do you think, though, with this, like this, because I've seen you comment this in the chat over the last few days, and I actually disagree with the whole we're giving Chelsea the money to go and get Caicedo because then I wake up the next day and I hear that, you know, they're selling off Edouard Mendy to Saudi Arabia. They're selling off, uh, well, Angolo Kante went on a free, but they're going to get something for Ziyech. They're going to get something... Um, for uh, Khalidu Koulibaly. I read today that Aubameyang is heading there as well. It, it's it's as if, you know, we talk a lot about Barcelona pulling financial levers and all these things that they've done. Chelsea have gone and negotiated a route to basically dispose of all of their crap to the Saudi Arabian League and somehow get money for it. Because those players that I've mentioned, I mean, two, three years ago, Koulibaly was probably worth £75 million. Now, yeah. is he even worth 20? Probably not. You know, his stock has fallen that much. Hakim Ziyech has been in the wilderness for a little while. Edouard Mendy had a good spelling goal at one stage, but was displaced by uh, Kepa, who'd lost his place in the first place. It just feels like those players have zero value at this moment in time. All right, not zero, but nowhere near what Chelsea paid for them. Yet Chelsea are going to find a way of getting some of that money back. Now, there's been a lot of debate today around whether that's fair the fact that the private investment fund have an interest in Chelsea, I think is wrong. I don't think you should be able to have an interest in Chelsea and Newcastle and Sheffield United all in the same league. I think that's terrible. But what Todd Bowley seemingly done is gone out there and negotiated this to put himself in a position whereby he can rectify all the poor spending. So taking all that into consideration, I know I've gone around the houses here. I just feel like whatever we do, Chelsea, if they want someone, will find a way of raising the funds. And will gazump us for Caicedo, not because we can't afford him, but because they clearly feel that they it's worth paying more. It's it's weird. I, I I don't know. Well, I was just reading this morning that you know using using Saudi Arabia as an escape route. I was reading that for us ourselves that the talk of Thomas Partey is mm. that he could be going out to Saudi Arabia, and that yeah. Arsenal could get back what we paid for him which would be quite rare because I don't think we've had a really good uh, outgoing sale since Awobi, that Awobi money. And I yeah, doubt if maybe Willock, seen, that's about it. May, maybe Willock. And I was wondering if you'd ever see the likes of those deals again. So it could be even an escape route for us. But um, again, going back to the Casado deal, it just makes me, it, it, it just makes me not angry. Just it, it puzzles me how you have a player like Casado. And, you know, the previous season when Arsenal want to attract 
players. You have players dragging their feet because there's no outcome yet. And they're like, well, you know, we're looking for Champions League football. That's where we, where we really want to be. Now we have everything that we can offer players. We offer good wages. They've seen that all of our top players have re-signed their contracts. We have a great ground, a great fan base. And we also are in the, we can provide Champions League. And now we're going to have players that are going to go to Chelsea that aren't even in the Champions League. I would prefer it that they just come out and say, why am I going to Chelsea? They're paying me more. I would respect yeah. them far more for them to just be honest and say, yeah, they're paying me more. And that's that's important to me and my family because it's obviously not Champions League football because there is not a guarantee of when they're going to get back into the Champions League. We thought that when we got knocked out of the Champions League that we'd be back the following year. Yeah. You know, it doesn't always necessarily work out like that. And it could be the same for, for those guys over there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the Caicedo thing, sort of, he obviously came out back in January when Arsenal made that offer and he made it very clear that he wanted out. He, he went onto social media, which is never a good idea, is it? When you're sort of twerking. a professional player. Yeah, he was, he was twerking for Arsenal, exactly. <laughs> But was he twerking for Arsenal or was he twerking for a move? And that's the, that's the difference, you know, because clearly he's happy to join Chelsea, it seems. The other thing is, as well, is that there is a chance that Arsenal, between January and the end of the season, just lost a bit of interest in, in Moises Caicedo and maybe got to the point where they felt that Declan Rice was the priority above him. I find... I don't think that's a ridiculous notion. And I think a lot of people are struggling to get that because clearly if he was the number one Caicedo, we'd have heard of the bid that they put in for Rice going in for Caicedo instead because for that money, they could have definitely landed him. Also as well, just talking about uh, Declan Rice, I don't even know whether I think Declan Rice is worth the money that's being touted personally. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it's really important in this transfer window that if he's our number one target, we have to get him yeah, because we have missed out on our number one targets now for so long. And we've been lucky, you know, we've had some happy accidents that our, our, our backup players that we brought in have stopped the gap and provided for us. But I think that we are heading into a time now where we must be able to nail our number one targets just for the reputation and also for, to, to, for bringing other players of an equal quality into the club. The only way you're going to nail your first choice targets all the time, though, is by you, you have to be willing to overpay, right? So I agree with you. I don't think Declan Rice is worth north of £100 million. I really don't. I think there are still question marks about certain elements of Declan Rice's game. And yeah. some of those elements have not really been put to the test playing for West Ham because the, the challenges that you face are different. When he comes to Arsenal and Aaron Ramsdale's pinging a ball into him at 100 miles an hour in between the two strikers that are pressing the centre-halves, and he's expected to bring it under control, turn left or right, pick out a teammate. He looks to his right, and there's no Zinchenko because he's gone on a run into midfield. He goes the other way, and, and Ben White... Do you know, th these are the things that I worry about with Declan Rice. He's going to have to really up his game to play that role for Arsenal, I think. And, um, and there's not to say that there's no potential there. Of course there is, but... 100 million does feel excessive, but sometimes you've got to pay over the odds to get what you want and fend off the other interests, right? Yeah, because if we don't pay that money, it's somebody else will come in and will happily pay that money. Whether we think yeah. it's over, you know, the, the, the mark or not, someone's going to pay that money. But look, I know you've got some other guests that you want to get on, Harry. So I don't want to hog up the space. Thanks. Uh, good talking to you. And if anybody wants to pick up one of these mugs, just go to the Guna Shack on Etsy and you'll see a lot more products on there as well. Have a good afternoon, Harry, and thanks for everything. Brilliant. Mate. Thank you, mate. I'm going to check that. I'm going to order myself one of those. I definitely need one. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Take it easy. Catch Cheers. you in a bit. All the best, mate. That's the brilliant Stan joining us from uh, Vancouver in Canada. Remember, if you want to join us, you can do so by clicking the link pinned in the chat box. Uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time on some comments from the chat. So start getting your questions in there and we'll work as, our way through as many of those as we possibly can too. Remember, uh, we're here to discuss whatever you guys uh, want to discuss. Going to take a very, very short pause while you guys fill up the chat box and then we're going to turn our attention to there for a little bit as well. But if you are interested in speaking to me as well, make sure you jump into uh, the backstage area by clicking on that link and I'll bring you in ASAP. 
Okay, just a quick reminder of some of the big stories from today. According to reports, Declan Rice has indicated that he wants Arsenal and Arsenal alone, hence why nobody else has made any bids for him. That's according uh, to a report coming out of the West Ham side of things. Um, there have been claims today that further talks have taken place between Arsenal and Chelsea today over the potential sale of Kai Havertz from West London to North London. Following Balogun, of course, opened his account for the US men's national team during their win over Canada, sparking the debate around whether the club should be planning to keep him. And does that mean an exit for Eddie and Ketia? That's something that I want to talk about. And I'm going to spend just a couple of minutes on that one because I think this is a really, really good debate. Because when the summer started and, and when sort of the, the end of the season was upon us and I looked at what following Balogun had achieved over in France, I was very much of the opinion that this was the time to cash in on him. You know, this is a guy who, for me, is probably not going to be in a place where his stock is this high for a little while. Because, you know, when your stock is where it is now with following Balogun, I think it's much easier for it to drop than it is for it to rise even further. And I did talk about his sort of declaration for the US team as well and how significant I think that is, because I do think it's significant. And why? Because I think he's going to end up being the pinup boy. Of, uh, of American football. And I think that is going to be commercially very, very valuable. So, yeah, I mean, the more he shines and the more he uh, delivers on the highest stage, uh, obviously playing for the US, you know, people have their thoughts about the US national team and, and US soccer in general. But at the end of the day, um, he is going to be a real leader of that team, you feel, and, and one of the best players. So, you know, there is a debate to be had as to whether it's worth giving him another shot at Arsenal. And potentially that could mean, of course, Eddie and Ketia making way. I, I really don't know. And I think you could make the debate on this or you can make the argument on this either way. In fact, I think we'll probably do a separate show on this uh, for our members because I think this one is, is well worthwhile having a good in-depth chat about. Um, but yeah, it, it's really interesting, isn't it? The other thing that was sort of... Uh, out in the ether over the last sort of 24 hours was with regards to Fabio Vieira, who has pulled out of the Portuguese uh, under-21 squad headed for the Euros. And yesterday, the way that that was put out, I thought was really worrying and concerning. You know, they talked about a health condition. And that, I think, prompted a little bit of panic within the Arsenal fan base. You know, what's going on? What 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 is this about? Why is he pulling out with a health issue. You know, what? What? what is the problem here? Is this something that we need to worry about moving forward? Arsenal have put out something today in which they say that Fabio Vieira just isn't up to it. And uh, he, uh, there's some quotes from him, uh, from Fabio Vieira, that is, with regards to this. He says, I tried everything to be ready to play for my country. I love to play for Portugal, but unfortunately it was not possible. I didn't feel on top to play and help the team and the medical staff agreed. The most important thing is my health and this precaution was taken to reduce any risks. Now is the time to rest and be 100% for pre-season and next season. And then it goes on to say in the piece on Arsenal.com that Fabio Vieira is expected to be ready to return to full training within the next couple of weeks. So, it doesn't exactly shut this stuff down, but it does give you confidence in the fact that Fabio Vieira hopefully uh, is okay. So, um, yeah, hopefully that that is nothing serious and, and he can get past that and be ready to come in at, in pre-season and have a crack at his second season because I think um, I'm expecting him to push on. If he doesn't, then I think we probably have to start asking questions. Thomas Partey, uh, could he be the latest high-profile player headed for Saudi Arabia? I saw a few questions about Saudi Arabia in the chat earlier on. Pop them back in there so that they're fresh in my memory. And is Romeo Lavia ready to boss the Arsenal midfield? Remember, if you want to join me on the show and have your say, you can do so by clicking on the link in the comments section, of course. But look, let's take some of your questions for now from the live chat. Let's take, first of all, uh, this one from William, who says, what is the real problem with Arsenal not being able to get any money for players? As you guys mentioned, Chelsea can still get 60 million for Habits after a few bad years, yet we can't get 20 for Pepe. I think it's a lot to do with the fact that 
we struggle to move players onto fellow Premier League clubs because the ones that Premier League clubs would be interested in are seen as indispensable to this Arsenal squad and therefore there is no appetite to sell them. Nicolas Pepe isn't wanted by any Premier League clubs to our knowledge, which means that you're going to get less money because that's just the way the market works. Premier League to Premier League, there always seems to be a bit of a premium in there. And um, and also when Premier League clubs are buying from other divisions, other leagues, other countries, other continents, those clubs are well aware of the financial might that the Premier League possesses and therefore they bump up the prices too. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, I, I think that it is a problem, but I think that's something over time that will get better with smart recruitment. You know, a lot of the players that we're trying to shift are dead wood or have been deadwood over the last couple of years. So I think the more we recruit well and the, the less deadwood we have within the group, the more we'll be able we'll be able to pull levers, if you like, and um and move people on. Uh Goon Gang AFC says, Harry, if Partey and Xhaka move on, how many midfield signings do we need to make, especially with Jorginho on a short-term contract? Is that enough time for them to gel and have a successful season? I think if we lost those two, we'd need to bring in three. Because I think we needed an additional one to what we already had anyway. So if you lose two, and I think you need an additional one, it makes sense to say that we need three. And I genuinely, genuinely do believe that. Somebody suggested in the chat box a little bit earlier on as well that when we were discussing Caicedo with some of our guests, that actually Arsenal's interest may have called in him for now because they're growing increasingly confident of potentially landing Ilkay Gunduan who I really, really rate. And he would be a great addition as one of that three that we need, if indeed Partey and Jacka go. But I just, we talked about it at length on yesterday's show. I just, I fear this idea of, of trying to have a major transition at once in a, a really key area of the park. I think, yeah, you need to refresh things and you need to be proactive rather than reactive. And if it's true, that we can get 40-odd million for Thomas Partey from the Saudis, then, yeah, maybe you should consider moving him on at this point. But that transition has to be managed correctly and rightly, and, and that's my worry. You know, Mikel Arteta, as, as many of you pointed out, spoke a lot about resets and all of that jazz at the end of the season. Yeah, OK, I get it. But for me, you've got to be careful as well not to un undo the work that you've done so far and, and sort of allow the progress as such to just unravel just quickly on the Saudi thing. Cause I think this has been a massive, massive talking point today. And I was on talk sport too earlier this afternoon and, and I was speaking with Will Gavin who was uh, hosting the show. And we were joined by Ben Jacobs of CBS sports uh, to talk about this matter. And, and he explained basically what the Saudi strategy is. And he didn't want to, say that what Chelsea are doing isn't right. He didn't want to suggest that there was any wrongdoing on Chelsea's part, which I understand in his position. And I'm not saying that they've done something majorly wrong. Because ultimately, for years and years and years, we complained about the fact that we had loads and loads of dead wood and we couldn't get rid of them. Why? Because no one would buy them. Along come the Saudis with a strategy that seemingly has nothing to do with Chelsea, which is to which is to, to to grow the popularity and the stand and elevate the standard of their product, their domestic football product. And in doing so, they want to bring in a load of players. There was talk about of a list of about 20. There was a list, you know, that list has been extended all the time of players that they were hoping to attract this summer. My issue with the whole Chelsea connection now, to be clear, is not that they found someone to sell their dead wood to and they're getting the money and mate, if you can sell it, good luck to you. You know, if, if someone knocks on your door to buy the old banger that's sitting outside your house and is offering you way over the odds, you're going to sell it and you're going to take the money and you're going to run for the hills. And I get that. And I understand that. But my issue here is, is that the private investment fund have a link to Chelsea. And I had no idea this was the case. How on earth can the same investment fund be involved in Chelsea, Newcastle, and I think someone said earlier today, Sheffield United as well. They're all competing in the same league. There has to be a conflict of interest somewhere along the lines there. 
And I'm not saying that Chelsea should be kicked out of the league or anything like that. And I'm not even saying that I know that there's some wrongdoing because I don't. As I keep saying, if I had the opportunity to shift a load of shit that I didn't want for big money, I would do it. But there has got to be an issue, a concern with the fact that the PIF are linked to all of these football clubs. People keep saying, yeah, but it's a private equity fund. That's what they do. I don't care. This is sport. And the integrity of this sport has to be maintained at all times. I don't even like the fact that PIF have got four clubs in Saudi Arabia or whatever it is. I think that's wrong too. But anyway, this just this just stinks. And the fact that Chelsea were able to... The fact that Chelsea were able to spend what they spent, which was crazy money since Todd Bowley came in, and are now going to be able to just basically offset the impact of that from a financial fair play perspective by simply sending a load of players out to Saudi Arabia, for me, is is mind-boggling. It really, really is. Really is. And and it just shows you that the game is broken because, that you know, if you're a super club with that kind of backing, and I had no idea, as I reiterate, that Chelsea had any connections to the PIF, then, you know, you th- there's no jeopardy in football anymore. You don't gain anything from managing a side correctly. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It just, to me, you can make loads of mistakes and therefore there's no value on managing your side correctly, spending wisely, et cetera, et cetera. And that was the beautiful thing about football. It was that, particularly when I was growing up, you know, even much lesser sides with the right coach and smart recruitment and and sort of, you know, innovative tactics and, and all the rest of it could close the gap on the big boys. That was one of the real appeals of football as a sport to me. And the more this stuff goes on, the more the gap increases between these state-owned football clubs and everybody else, the less competitive it becomes and the less interesting it becomes. So I am worried. I am worried for the future of our sport. I really, really am. And this is not me sitting here having a go at Chelsea. I would say the same thing if it was Man United. Even if we go and sell Thomas Partey now to Saudi Arabia for 45 million quid, there'll be a part of me that thinks that that's madness as well. It will benefit my football club, but I think it was it was madness as well. But anyway, uh, going to take uh, this one from NVR, who says, Harry, genuine question. What is Gundogan's motivation? for coming to Arsenal as opposed to just re-signing with City. Well, City have already put him on the release list. So you'd imagine that there is no, you know, that you'd imagine that there's been some kind of conversation between him and Pep. Maybe Pep has indicated that he's going to move on from him, uh, that he's not going to play very much. And, and ultimately, Ilkay Gundogan now has won it all with Manchester City. The treble, it's done, finished, got the, got the T-shirt. Maybe he wants a new challenge. Maybe he wants to continue playing in the Premier League. Maybe he wants to stay, um, you know, in, in what is is deemed by many and, and most as the best division in world football. And at Arsenal, under a manager that he knows, it, at a club that is on the rise, he feels like he could really give something. And, and sometimes it's about feeling valued as well. It's not just always about money. You know, winning things, yeah, of course, great. But he's won pretty much everything there is now. So, yeah, I think that the project could be the attraction. Also, some of the people that are involved with the project that he'll know very well from his time at Man City, that could be a factor in all of this as well. Right, look, guys, um, thank you for joining me on this interactive edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. Thank you to those that got involved in the comments. Thank you to those that joined me uh, via the phone lines. Great to see and speak to some of you. Uh, I always say this, I don't often get to put Uh, your faces to the name. So when you guys do jump on, I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, It is half past eight at night here in London on this Monday evening. I'm going to go inside the house and I'm going to sit down and watch the second half of France versus Greece. By the time I speak to you tomorrow, Greece probably would have been battered, but they're holding their own because it's nil-nil at this moment in time which has made me particularly interested now to go on and watch the second half or at least the first 15 minutes of it until France score and then it's all done. But anyway, uh, thank you also. Oh, no, I've just got a notification. Don't tell me there's been a goal. No, half time. France nil, Greece nil. England 3-0 up 
against Macedonia as well. Harry Kane scoring against the juggernauts of European football, as he always does. But anyway, I'll see you guys all soon. Let me know in the comments if you enjoyed this. So a mixture of your comments from the chat and people calling in. Um, if it's something you like, if it's a format concept you like, we'll do it more often. If it's not, let me know what you like to see differently and, and we'll work on it over the course of the summer. Thank you so much. I'll see you all soon, guys. Until next time, goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.